Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hello and welcome to the AEW Collision Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by another one of Dudley Boys mm. from What Culture, Michael Sidgwick, uh, to review everything that happened on this weekend's episode of AEW Collision. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube, mm. where we do daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Collision, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0, oh! pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete. Running a quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick to review AEW Collision. But a lot has happened leading into this show. Lots to talk about on this show, but we've been away for a while. Haven't really got a chance to get your thoughts on what's been going on with AEW in the uh, past few weeks. Pay-per-views, TV shows, major developments. What do you make of it all? Uh, I, I just had a few things I wanted to say before we get into Collision, because I've been keeping up. I've been watching. I've had some thoughts. Um, I thought World's End was pretty poor. Mm. It's one of those poor is takes on a different definition when you're talking about AEW, because through all the highs and lows and everything, like, the base standard is still so great. Mm-hmm. Like, every even the worst weeks of AWTV, you're probably getting a really good match, or sometimes even a great match. Yeah. People think, well, that, how could this Dynamite be bad? It had a great match on it. It's just simply, you know, I've mentioned this multiple, countless times, mm-hmm. um, the standard is simply so good that I will always hold them to it. And I thought, well, turned. you had Mox and Eddie, which was really, really good. I don't know if I hesitate to say great just because I just I've always felt like it was on the cusp of becoming a classic, mm. but the vibe surrounding the show, which I kind of have to talk about, but I have to be delicate, um, just cast a shadow over everything. Yeah. Like Copeland Christian was such a riot. The grafted, it was so dramatic and violent. And again, it was just, I wish that happened on any other show. I wish mm. everything that was good on that show happened on any other show. Um, I, I, you can't really talk about Jericho mm. because it's not as if an allegation has been made. Yeah. Directly. Um, like a vague illusion has been vaguely endorsed via emoji. I mean, I don't know what to say. All I know is that it's kind of impossible to watch Chris Jericho now. You know he's a creep. You <laughs> just want to know the, the extent of how much of a creep he is. Should there be a ranking of the creeps? Is any creepy behavior excusable? No. Is it easier to think, oh, he's a low-level creep, but, you know, at least he's not a complete and horrible monster. How bad is it mm. in wrestling that you have to go, oh, at least he's not them, I think. I could be the worst. Mm. I don't know. Just, you can't, can he clarify it? Should they clarify it? I mean, they're not gonna, so what's the f- point? It was just uh, a horrible, uh, I just thought with Kay- uh, Kylie Ray because, like, regardless of what may or may not have happened or whatever, um, it's such a weird thing to talk around, much less talk about. Mm. Her name was on a lot of people's lips on that particular day, and I just hope she's in a good place. Yeah. Um, so I cast a shadow. What is the extent to which Jericho is a horrible creep, even if it's a small one? F*** him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, so, and it was one of those where it was like, you know, it was just impossible to watch that show under those circumstances. Tony Khan was embarrassing during that press yeah. conference. It's one thing. I just couldn't believe that image of him in the hat and glasses or the wig and glasses I, or whatever. I, I thought it was a Photoshop when I, I saw it. What on earth are you playing at? I understand from a really brutal PR 
capitalism perspective, you can't talk about the Jericho thing up front. You have to be asked. You have to give a KG word salad response. This is a horrible business. Maybe you could even describe it as a horrible world. You have to pretend everything's A-OK. And I am going to convey that everything's A-OK because my PRs told me to. We kind of have to in this company. And we're going to do a press conference half and gimmick with my delightfully irreverent character, Tony Storm, who's now going to dress me in this. But just say, we are going to get the question, right? We cannot in any way trivialize no. these accusations or the situation, the atmosphere, whatever you want to call it. Um, let's not go too far. That should have been right, route one. Mm. The PR guy having to steamroll in and take the get up off him. Like, well, uh, put your mind, put yourself in the mind of that PR guy. He's probably thinking, right, what do I do here? Do I let him look like that? Mm. Or do I have to visually, literally dress him down so he doesn't keep doing it throughout the entire thing when he's going to get the direct questions later on. Jesus Christ. Um, so that was World's End Soured. Um, Jericho's getting booed. Do they have to clarify? Weird Will dynamic with that, wasn't it, with that shirt, with that yeah. match? Oh, God, I Weird, weird stuff. Um, the start of 2024, mixed for me because I thought there were some excellent developments and matches on Dynamite. Takeshita, Darby Allen, oh. I preferred more than a Carter Danielson, to be honest. What an absolute ripper of a TV match. Like, doing a feint into a penetration step, a drop step, just to try and throw this killer, like, off his rhythm from Darby Allen. Like, Darby Allen, someone tells me he's the best wrestler in the world. I don't know if I can give you an argument as to who's better. Me and Hamza were talking about, sorry, just interrupt. We were talking about the, the spot on the ramp. We were like, that looks like it sucks to take. And then Takeshi let him go. And I was like, oh, no, it gets worse. Yeah, it gets worse. The knee to the suicide <gasps> dive, the avalanche German. It was one of those where I was like, I was shrieking and horrified at what they were attempting to do, much less <laughs> execute. Yeah. Like the bit when he wheelbarrows them, but then he backflips out. I was like, oh, my heart was in my mouth. That was like the timing they had. The chemistry was supernatural. Um, Darby Allen is like Sean Waltman, Mick Foley, one of the most exciting cruiserweights you've ever seen, all wrapped up in one wrestler that betrays any comparison because he's so like distinct mm -hmm. and incredible. He's every kind of good babyface wrestler. And he might be a dick as well. So your head's <laughs> all over the place. Um, but someone asked me on the Q&A, which mm -hmm. you can go back and watch on YouTube or listen to wherever you get your podcast yeah. from. Someone, I forget the name, um, wanted my thoughts on the devil. We said we'd reserve it for this review. Here it is. I hate it. <laughs> at, the, at the very least, right, because they have been revealed as the Undisputed Kingdom. What a terrible EFED name that is, by the way. It was very, yeah. It's so lame. At the very least, because they have no reason to conceal their own identity, at the very least, you know me, I'm a positive guy. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that you can't have any lame hacking of the mainframe. <laughs> you no. can't have any bobbins crap like this anymore because they are out revealed themselves, it's us, so they don't have to do any creeper-adjacent mystery bollocks that this program has been polluted by, this angle has been polluted by since Dave Friggin won. And now that MGF's taken some time off and Adam Cole has said we're going to pursue championships or retain championships, it feels like a proper wrestling stable, in theory. I still think it's bad. Like, I don't think there was any... It was so overthought this entire mystery and the red herrings and the idea that Adam Cole and Roderick Strong, if you think about this in kayfabe, willingly, why would Tony Khan put this on TV? I don't know. Anyway, they willingly produced incredibly lame and unfunny post-produced comedic skits with, I think, the intention of convincing MJF that Ah, uh, Adam Cole's really sick of Roderick Strong because he's so annoying. They can't possibly be in cahoots. Mm -hmm. The idea is, well, we are, and we're fooling you. Um, 
we're actually still friends, right? It was just so many bad, terrible TV to justify the reveal. Mm. And the problem you by being unbearable. Yes, exactly. And the problem with that is I had to watch terrible, (laughs) unfunny, universe-breaking television just to get to that reveal. And I called still injured. Great. Uh, The Kingdom could have just won the ROH World Tag Team titles as the Kingdom. They're a great tag team. And Wardlow's back to square one. The explanation made no real sense to me. You have to ask so many ridiculous questions of the process just to get there. Undisputed Kingdom's a terrible name. They just don't feel like a proper heel gang. I think it was the best. upon the reveal. I agree with you. And and yeah, I still think it was the best possible outcome. It was. That means there were very few good ones. Yeah. Um, Very few good ones. I didn't like the promo. I don't like the stable. I don't take them seriously. Um, I just think the whole thing's been a complete misfire. The the good thing is that they can't do any more lame stuff. Like lame non-wrestling stuff. They'll do plenty of lame wrestling stuff now. <laughs> uh, so I wasn't happy with any of that, but it's over. We can move on from the hacking. And we'll talk, no doubt, more about this on the Dynamite preview later on this week where we'll talk about the future of a Dion yeah. Brazzo, for example. Good news, guys. Good news. After that uh, pretty depressing start, is that Collision was great, and Dynamite looks awesome. Also, you've got a, we've got a new best promo in AEW, by the way. Was Christian Cage for me, or you know MJF, obviously. And I loved, I will say, just a quick point, I loved Samoa Joe's opening to, to Dynamite last week. But it's Nick Wayne's more. Yeah. <laughs> Boo me as a mother. <laughs> anyway, let's get on to Collision. Um, bold choice. The show opened with Ric Flair. Oh, be, they're in, you know. He makes Charlotte. Yeah, then he makes his entrance uh, and he wants to be ringside for. Where were they again? Yeah, North Carolina, yeah. Charlotte. And uh, he's there uh, to watch Darby Allen and Sting versus the Workhorsemen. Once again, campaigning, as we always are, for how great the Workhorsemen are. They should be doing so much more. Um, so Darby Allen and Sting get their big entrance, and the Workhorsemen are like, we're not, having, we're not just letting you get in the ring for this. Uh, so they jump them before the bell. Uh, J.D. Drake kicks Sting with a chair shot that he no-sells. Uh, I think Flair even got a chop in amongst all this. But basically, the workhorsemen take him out. Um, Sting gets uh, beaten down on the outside. Darby Allen gets hoied in. He can't make it to his feet almost, but he's saying, ring the goddamn bell. He gets beaten up to start with. Uh, they got a two count. Uh, did Anthony Henry offer a backstabber? Um, but the crowd wants Sting in. It looks like uh, Darby Allen's going to get to his corner. But J.D. Drake knocks Sting off the apron. Uh, before hitting a belly-to-belly suplex. But Darby Allen avoids a moonsault from Drake, brings in Sting. Darby Allen hits a code red on Drake. Sting hits a stinger splash. Allen coffin drops Henry on the floor. Sting hits the scorpion death drop, and they get the one, two, three, and they celebrate with Rick and a Ric Flair cosplayer. Interesting choice. Um, But they are rolling, of course, to the match we're all anticipating on Wednesday. Uh, between Darby Allen and Sting and Kenoste Takestra and Powerhouse Hobbs. Jesus. What does that match look like? Um, I don't want to step on the dick of the preview, so I won't. Um, I will just say that this was fine. Mm. It was fine. I mean, Ric Flair ruined the vibe. Of course he did. Um, but even in a small match that you didn't get the full Sting experience, if it's even possible these days. Um, but it was fine for what it is. Like, JD and Darby's work look really good together. God say mm. six minute match designed to make you happy to see sting win mm. that was it he didn't do much how much can he still do i worry about that um certainly can't do that ramp spot no can <laughs> case like so i'll do that yeah, yeah, yeah. go after about three rotations yeah. jesus um i so that's fine that's not what else can you say yeah, i think it's fair um let's talk about the Continental Crown title match, but it was just for the Continental title, as I've discovered subsequently from yeah. my pamphlet. Um, Eddie Kingston's a bit of a bastard sometimes, isn't he? This was, right. I loved this match. I think I liked this match more than the World's End match with Mox and Eddie. Really? Uh-huh. There was something just... You might remember, I, I got a certain... I got, I'm, there was more of a change in my needle, if that makes sense. I.e., Mox versus Kingston, I went in, and my needle was already, at, if it's out of 100 let's say 50, and I went, oh, to, to 80, for example. Yeah, yeah. This, I went in, I'll ten. be honest, at about 10. And then, and I was like, yeah, yeah, man, shotgun. No, I love them. I love yeah. Eddie Kingston. 
Machine gun chops in the corner. I don't really care about Trent Barretta right now, whether he's turning heel or splitting from the best friends or whatever. And then when Eddie Kingston went, and bust him open. I was like, I'm awake. What's yeah. happening? Shot him in the face. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. Um, I think it is so easy. I, mean, I think they booked the C2 immaculately. Yeah. But it's pretty easy to put two established stars in a match on pay-per-view and say, go out there for 20 minutes and get four stars or whatever. You yeah. Know, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think it's probably my problem with wrestling and at large. I much prefer a proper over-delivery. And this was not just an over-delivery, but what an unbelievable showing this was from Eddie Kingston. I think after a great couple of months, this might be the most I've been impressed by one of my favorite wrestlers in the world. Mm. Like... This was a narrative destroyer of a match. That's how great it was. How many times have we sat here? And, you know, we're not the only ones to say, oh, you know, Eddie Kingston. A lot of people like him. (laughs) Um, What we should do is um, fantasy book him to win the title because he's a really popular, great wrestler. Um, But then he should lose the title quite quickly. (laughs) And have his Mick, he's a bit like Mick Foley, you know. (laughs) They're both from New York. How it's the most cliched, but sometimes the cliched, Fantasy booking is correct because mm-hmm. everyone wants to see it. The general gist was that Eddie Kingston is the perfect sentimental fan cult favorite to do that fully run, to do the 2013-14 Daniel Bryan WWE run, and then not necessarily be the promotional ace. What a narrative destroyer of a match this was because I watched this and thought, well, Eddie Kingston's a friggin' great champion mm-hmm. and great ace figure because... I don't know these people. I know no wrestler personally. I've had dialogue with wrestlers, but mm-hmm. I don't think I've know. I can't. I couldn't hand on heart say I know a single person, a single wrestler, personal life in and out the ring. Yeah, if I said, oh, you need to ring someone. They have to answer the phone. No one would answer it. Yeah, but dialogue. But that's it. So I don't know which wrestlers are awesome behind the scenes. Which ones seem like they're awesome behind the scenes? But they're actually dicks. My impression of Eddie Kingston and Trent Barretta from interviews, Mm -hmm. testimonies on one side to Twitter likes. Let's just say Twitter likes from our Trent on the other side. (laughs) I think I like Eddie Kingston more. Yeah. Okay. Because Eddie Kingston was so awesome at being a nasty bastard. He was being the dominant champion, bullying this lad around the ring. Basically saying, no, I'm the I'm the top guy now. I've got the belts. I'm going to bully you into giving me something here. Like I felt like more emotion for Trent to get in it and stay in it. Yeah. How's that happened? When I love Eddie <laughs> Kingston as much as I do, like verging on the parasocial. What a proper ace performance this was. Mm. Like I couldn't believe how much I wanted Trent to stay in it when I just firmly. Firmly expected. A nice little three and a quarter star. Hard-hitting match. Trent obviously takes a beating all the time. Eddie Kingston distributes a beating. But I thought, there's no stakes here. It's the first mm-hmm, title mm-hmm. defense. This is pretty bog-standard. Middle of a TV show. AEW fair. Probably good. Not great. By the end, I was like, is Trent going to win this title? <laughs> yeah. And incredibly, do I want Trent to beat Eddie Kingston for a title? Magic. Magic performance from Eddie Kingston. There's obviously Trent was fantastic as well. There was just a nasty quality to the to the action. Um, it was so hard hitting. Like the near falls were perfect. Because I don't think Eddie Kingston lost anything. He gained so much. Like I've been familiar with Eddie Kingston's work, but I never thought like before AEW. Mm-hmm. I know he's not just this one dimensional underdog character. I know he can be a heel. I know he can be an arsehole, All the rest of it. I don't think he could be this much of a top guy. No, he was unbelievable in this match, and I think Eddie Kingston versus Samoa Joe for that world title is, <sighs> has to happen at some point. I don't know what. Again, if you're Tony Khan, you invite criticism by being good. I don't know that sounds ridiculous. No, I get what you're coming from. I see Eddie; he's just so good at putting people in positions to succeed and get over that too many of them get over, and then he loses focus. <laughs> and then yeah. it's he's the Best kind of bad booker, if that makes any mm. sense. Because now I'm thinking, well, I love you, Swerve, and I campaigned for you for the past three months, but Eddie, and look at Joe, and what a match that would end up uh. being. I, um, this match was unbelievable. Um, I was so impressed by it. I watch matches that I think are great, but I'm not impressed by two wrestlers putting on a great match. It's just so common. Yeah. Um, 
This is, I was so impressed. Is the word I keep repeating because I was um, Urukan near fall. Oh my god, this is just tremendous. If you don't watch Collision and you're more of a dynamite viewer and you hop in and out of Collision and the ratings date da- that would bear that out, mm-hmm. this is must see. Absolutely. I um, yeah, I I, I I barely remember previewing this on the Collision preview. I, I feel like we talked more about Kingston. Well, why would you? And yeah, the Continental. I wouldn't classic. have. If I was there. I probably would have glossed it over. I probably would have been a bit cynical. Sorry, mate. I know I'm stepping on you. No, head. no, no. I. I I went in and was just like, here we go. This will be a good... F- I can probably save some time when they go to picture-in-picture picture because... Uh, Maybe a few chops, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Go back <laughs> and, and then he... And s- some washing up or some more chops, yeah. <laughs> he slaps him and I was like... He him in the face there. <laughs> and then he comes up bloody... <laughs> I just bled. Yeah. Um, yeah, Saito suplex on the floor took us to a break off the back of that. Uh, Sue's worried watching ringside, understandably watching this. Great touch. Um, Beretta comes back with a jumping knee, and yeah, I'm, I'm, go on. Go on then. Beretta hits a trio of German suplexes and a running knee and a gotch-style pile driver. Half and half suplex. Kingston hits him with a half and half suplex. Uh, back fist, nor the lights bomb. Second one gets, uh, gets the, the title retention for Eddie Kingston. Tits. Just bleed tits. Um, earlier on in the day, we are backstage with one Willow Nightingale and Chris Statlander and Boots, Statlander's pet Komodo dragon. Huh? Tony <laughs> Schiavone asks about, they had a match on Rampage and he said, oh, well done, you know, what's all this about Stokely Hathaway's interest in both of you? But they go, ah, we don't talk about that. We had a great 2023 and we want to keep doing that into, into 2024. I mean, people are talking about a promo that we've all forgotten if it hadn't been for Boots, I suppose. I suppose, yeah. I mean, it's fair enough. Are they turning one of them? They shouldn't be turning either. Yeah. Statlander could be a heel, I think. It's uh, just... Do you want the Komodo Dragon in this one? Yeah, go on then. Okay. Um, and then, as if that wasn't surreal enough, we go to a break, come back, and Hook goes, I want to fight Samoa over the world title. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that all day long. I mean, he's got, like, you know, we campaign for, for rankings and da-da-da-da-da. He's got the win percentage. He said himself. <laughs> okay. I'll take it. Of course what I'll take it. the title it is. By the hell not? I tell you what, that's one of very few matches. And we'll talk about this later on, and I'm going to get ahead of work scheduling for next week in a bit. Put that on Battle of the Belts. Maybe I actually watch Battle of the Belts. Oh, you see what's on Battle of the Belts? Yeah. I've got a rule I'm going to like, try and introduce. But uh, before that, we had what is known as a proving ground match. I didn't, I wasn't really au fait with this sort of thing previously. The Undisputed Kingdom, Mike Bennett and Matt Taven, uh, facing Commander and Brian Keith. You earn a title match if you win or survive 10 minutes, basically, here, which I thought was a good stipulation. I think more stuff that you should take from Ring of Honor, absolutely, obviously. Um, early on, Bennett gets a blind tag in and hits Keith with a big forearm to take us to break. When we come back, Keith's still getting beaten up in the corner. Taven got a near fall off for an elbow drop as uh, he was draped over Bennett's knees. Um, but Keith came back, sent Bennett into the corner with a belly-to-belly throw. Commander comes in, runs wild. It's a huge superplex to Taven off of Keith's shoulders. And then Keith launched Commander onto a kingdom on the floor. Uh, but in the end, Bennett dropped Commander with a pile driver. Taven hit just the tip on uh, <laughs> on Brian Keith, and they hit Keith with the Rockstar Supernova to get the one, two, three. I thought this match for a TV match was great, mm. absolutely great. And look, you know what annoys me is when people are quite reductive in their criticism of AEW, and they say, "Why can't it just be?" People talk trash to each other, and then they have a match. Do you realize how boring that would get? You kind of have to be a bit ambitious, a bit slow with your storytelling, right? You can't just be reductive and say, oh, they should just, you know, talk trash and then cut promos on each other and then have matches. That would get so boring. Trust me, I've watched those, like, multi-man UFC. Here's what we got coming up in the next three months, guys. And yes, you do get uh, who the that guy from Connor, or you get... Two people really going at each other or really cutting or just st- having yeah. to be separated from security. If you sat there and watched the whole thing every week. Yeah. Oh, God. Can I have some other reason for you two to fight? Yeah, it's people 
I just, it's not as simple as people have no. made out. I understand that there's a big, I've not enjoyed a lot of AEW's TV direction in the latter half of last year, right? It was, it was brutal at times. But it's nowhere near, if it was, if it was if it's just not as easy as people make out when they're trying to be reductive about it. Dot, dot, dot. Having said that, yeah. you've got so much more here out of the kingdom and what they exist to do than you have with their particular episodic TV story for the past three months, which has been Bobbins. This match was so well-structured, so well-worked, and the story was so well-told that they got Brian Keith and Commander or like a proper ah oh, mm. reaction when they didn't win yeah. because they cut them off perfectly. They showed us perfectly. They give them some great near falls. It can't be this simple every week. It can't, but they should strive to, I don't know, but this is what it is. Mm. They can, you can tell better ambitious long-term stories, but it, it just, this is what a team like the kingdom should be on the card to do. Yes. They're not great TV stars. Sometimes they're funny, right? But this is what they exist to do. Mm. They exist to be a really, really good, proper, proper hands, like proper solid hands. Like, but like the good version of that. Mm. Like I think that works so like they structure things so so well. It's such a criminally underrated tag team. That's what they should be doing. They mm. should not be starring in massive, sprawling, intricate storylines. They shouldn't. This is what they should be doing, and I thought this was great. Yeah, I always bring it back to the fact that I'm always for, forever grateful for AEW because without AEW, I wouldn't have been. I was, you know, fed head for for the most part, especially before I started working at What Culture. So without AEW, yes, I'd have seen the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and people like that and MJF. But like, would I have seen Darby Allen? Probably not. Yeah. That's a really obvious one. But then also, more recent examples, people like Commander, Brian Keith, AR Fox. Mm. You know, without now, if someone said to me, oh, uh, Brian Keith's had a match in such and such promotion, it was really good. Do you want to watch it? I wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, that was Brian Keith. I like Brian yeah. Keith. I enjoy watching him in there. Commander, obviously, we talked a little bit about him earlier on today, about how it was just used to be. We, you and I used to say, it'd be funny if you were there for that big spot, though, wouldn't it? It actually was, because I saw it yeah. in Vegas. You, you get so high. Yeah. I, I think you did one in Ring of Honor. Was he in that match? Big high fly. The one over WrestleMania weekend. I remember being there yeah. for some huge high spot and thinking, yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it's 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 just one of those. And, uh, yeah, the, 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 for what it was, a match, oh, I'm not going to lose here. And simple then, stakes, simple story executed very, very, very well indeed. This is what the kingdom should be doing. And this was positioned well, of course, because immediately following this, you have uh, the acclaimed and the uh, being being gang or Bullet Club Gold, who got their issues with the Undisputed Kingdom. They're, they're backstage. Well, Bullet Club Gold were backstage with Paquette, Renee Paquette, and uh, the acclaimed come in and talked about saving the Bullet Club and Dynamite. And they were, we've all, we all hate the Undisputed Kingdom, and... Uh, Jay Watt says uh, it's Bullet Club's problem to solve, basically. And they all get a bit heated. But Bowens calms everyone down and says, look, the only way to get anything done in AEW is through factions. Also kind of the same in the Fed. Um, talks about, you know, Jay, your history with Bullet Club. Billy Gunn's got a bit of a history of factions, of course. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe we could do something. I know we don't like each other, but we bloody hate them lot. Why don't you give it some thought? And uh, they all leave, except Austin Gunn, who goes, hmm, kind of a... What are you doing? Hmm, kind of a... Uh... He goes, huh? Makes sense. Oh, I know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, Austin Gunn goes, hmm, kind of makes sense for me. So what we have here... <laughs> <laughs> one of the year. What we have here is a quite unexpected union <laughs> between two parties that you wouldn't necessarily expect to team up with one another. <laughs> you might... Even call this something of a supergroup. You're joking. Not another one? <laughs> the speakers aren't working, but that's gone out. <sighs> How I, if I'm, I've talked before about rules and how if you impose upon yourself as a writer or a creator a certain amount of rules, then you can keep focused, you can 
eventually one day break them to like a shocking dramatic yeah. effect. But you can like keep your house in order. You can avoid repeating yourself and all the rest of it. Rules exist for so many different reasons. So many that I can't get into all of them right now. I want that eraser board mm-hmm. set up in the AW production office with a list of don'ts. Don't do this, A, because it sucks. B, we've done it too often. C, we rely upon it as a crutch. D, it's not that interesting. The biggest one for me right now on that board, like the biggest one, other than more direct personal feuds, right? Or this character should be more bothered about this thing. So I made the point, I can't remember who was on Twitter, of why hasn't Thunder Rosa said, I need my title back. Mm. It's mine. No one's beat me for it. That should be number one on her list. When was the last time we saw? It's been three weeks already, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Have I seen th- when was Thunder Rosa had the return match? Now she's not being seen. Am I correct? I think so. Even oh, yeah. in but vignettes, out of the loop of everything. Anyway, yeah. anyway, number one is don't do for the rest of 2024 because then in 2025 we can make it mean something again. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Piss off. Yeah, can, how many times have we seen this? Can you read the match graphic in Michael Sidwick, Sidwick's Intonations? So-and-so is teaming with this person? Yes, and if you can, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Death Triangle and Best Friends since at least February 2020 up until All, all in London had, like, feuded off and on, but like they were never, like, mates. Then, oh, Blackpool Combat Club... The enemy of our enemy is our friend. Okay. All right. Oh, these heels have been bad to you. They've been bad to me, fellow babyface. We're not a tag team, but should we tag up? <laughs> Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho. Yeah. Right. Now it's Bing Bing Ging and the acclaimed. Like countless examples of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Not just be like enemy versus enemy and draw some money (laughs) and like really get some proper (laughs) animosity and hatred and thus emotion going here. Do I want to see Jay White in the guns as a babyface unit? I know people find them funny. That kind of the guns were with the acclaimed previously. Oh, yeah, (laughs) and the feuded. Juice Robinson with the acclaimed, but he's not. Anyway. I'm just sick of it. Yeah. It's lost its charm. And I don't need to see as one of the big feuds in AW going forward. The acclaimed and the Bang Bang Gang, Bullet Club Gold, going up against the Undisputed Kingdom, hmm. which is itself a supergroup. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a, I don't know if you know this, but it's the Kingdom in the Undisputed Era. <laughs> yep. I'll I'll all together. <laughs> I'm sick of it. The Undisputed Kingdom, Wardlow. Give me some. Direct, heated animosity. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Strike through. Mm -hmm. Enemy versus enemy. I'm begging you. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be Big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. 
Adam Copeland uh, comes down to the ring, talks about World's End, of course, winning and then losing the TNT title. Adam Copeland and Sting and Darby Allen. <laughs> you play this game probably for the rest of the show. Yeah, we'll do it. Um, he says he was entitled to an to an automatic rematch, of course, because he lost the because TNT. Because WWE rules apply to Edge. Uh, the WWE rules apply to Adam Copeland. Yes, they do, don't they? He's brought him with him. Yeah, <laughs> money in the bank, automatic rematch clauses. Yeah. He said, but, um, but I, I should have an automatic rematch, but I'm fine working my way back into an automatic title, uh, into another title match. Um, Copeland said that Christian believed he was handed everything, but the difference between the two of us is I, I work hard. I work harder, I should say. I outwork Christian Cage. Uh, but I'm, look, I'm here, I'm in my gear. Let's, let's do the Cope Open, I think you might have called it. <sighs> the Open Challenge, which is, to be fair, what I was campaigning for. Uh, last week, someone suggested on the news. And I thought it was a really good idea um, to just to get some some dream matches. Um, and he was answered. Well, I thought he was answered by Cole Carter initially, who was uh, um, previously known as Two Dangs, which was hilarious, especially considering that it was like Sting and Jarrett, and he was surrounded yeah, yeah, by yeah. before, of course. Uh, but it was actually Cole Carter, Anne Maria, and Griff Garrison coming out. Who was the one answering the challenge? Where did that unit come from? <laughs> Griff Garrison. I think they're in Ring of Honor. Probably. I think. Griff Garrison, two dimes in. <laughs> uh, Griff uh, says, uh, some people are sat there thinking, who the is Griff Garrison? I'm a guy who steps up to the plate against a Hall of Famer. Look at me, show me respect. I'm the one accepts the, accepting the challenge. Copeland says, remind me of me when I was your age. He's got long hair, he's a bit wiry. <laughs> I love, like, wrestlers are so arrogant with who they decide to take under the wing. Yeah. Or who the thing's good. It is, who is it? It was like, oh, I see some real potential there. Because like, they work like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't there's there's countless was. examples when they're all absolutely JBL, we were talking about JBL when he was picking his picks in NXT. He was like, you know, like this guy. Yeah, he's, he's like, kind of a cowboy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Jensen, wasn't it? Or Briggs. He was, wasn't it? Briggs. He's tall and he talks like this. My kind of guy. There's <laughs> a lot of potential in that boy. Um, Great fun, man. <laughs> So he's there's Jew. <laughs> Copeland says you're uh, you're stepping up from below sea level to Mount Goddamn Everest. Uh so Griff slapped <laughs> Copeland. I mean I like the line, but it's funny. Yeah. I also liked it when Griff slapped Copeland and he went, I like you even more now. And the funny thing is I like you even more now to beat your ass. <laughs> and then he boots how much of a badass Copeland thinks he is. Because I, I simultaneously quite like him and laugh at him at yeah. the same time. In fact, he was like, I like you even more now. And then immediately kicked him in the face. It's like Dave Grohl meets Dave Grohl under the impression that he's like Shabbat. <laughs> I saw a, a great thing. Have you seen this? It's, it's from eight years ago. Seeing him getting interviewed about when he was on, I think, Saturday Night Live. And the guest host was Christopher Walken. You heard about this? Seen this? Heard about this? No. And I can't do a good Christopher Walken impression. But me and you uh, and what culture gaming, what culture, you know, nerdy stuff. Um, we were talking about this because Christopher Walken comes up to him with his own inimitable style and says, I think he'd met them before, but he was still he was just clarifying. Because obviously every, you know, the classic, the Dan, Daniel Craig, ladies and gentlemen, the weekend, the, the rounds. So you have to have the guest hosts introducing the band. And he was like, where do I put the emphasis on Foo Fighters. And they're like, well, it's Chris Walken's be really funny. So they said, oh, yeah, second half. So he goes, I can't do a Chris Walken. I won't look at you. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Foo Fighters. <laughs> <laughs> Foo Fighters. Uh, no, Copeland versus Griff Garrison. Uh, he beat watching his ass. <laughs> he beat him up with very little uh, stuff coming back until... Uh, two dimes and uh, Maria ran some interference that allows uh, Garrison to come back with a big boot. He beats up Copeland. Wheelbarrow face buster gets a near fall. Um, so Copeland does a baseball slide on Carter on the outside. Hits a crossbody on Garrison. Went for a spear. Garrison caught him with a rolling elbow who went up top. Um, but Copeland cut him off. Hit a superplex, impaled a DDT and tapped him out with a cross face. Post-match, Carter slides in to take out Copeland with a drop kick. Went for a 450, but Copeland moved and speared both of them. Love that 450. So stupid. Just like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> like, he's nowhere near him. Didn't look like he was ever going to hit. He just looked like 450 now. But, 
My God, what a rotation. It was my second favourite 450 of the weekend because AJ Styles did one on SmackDown and LA Knight got busted wide open. Did he? Yeah, oh, I'll show yeah. you a picture. I oh, know, I watched it. <laughs> uh, this, I thought they did a half-decent job here of cheating. Yeah. I love good cheating. I love, there's a good and bad version of everything, as I point out constantly. Mm-hmm. Really good cheating here. Like proper, like bastards have got a plan, yeah. and they need to do it because it's the Cobra. They need to cheat. Griff, Griff Garson hasn't got a hope in hell no. beating this dude one on one. So some nice cheating that didn't make Edge uh, Cobra look like an asshole. What the? F- uh, I did a roast uh-huh. yesterday. So there's various alarms, various I'm, alarms. You know, I'm so old now. Uh, the, the gravy I made yesterday was absolutely double coated, by the way. And Louise made a delicious roast yesterday. And uh, it wasn't it wasn't quite the the Christmas dinner roast that she did, which was sensational. Little potato stacks, standard stroffing, potato stacks with garlic. <laughs> no, but, um, <laughs> but by the way, quick side note. Obviously, I'm useless. I can peel I can peel as many potatoes and that as you want, uh, but mine was just keep the grandparents uh, lick it up and uh, just make sure they they're looking after Eric because it's nice to give them time with him. And, like, the few things that I helped Dan Louise on was, like, oh, I'll help you get the, the roasties, by the way, quickly. Oh, I'm going to turn the speakers on because we're going to need... Oh, my God. We can't hear it right now when we're recording, but we're going to need that for the main event, so I'll turn the speakers on in a second. Um, Yeah, for the, for the roasties, I was like, I'll hold the tray so you can take them out and put on people's things. I'm just helping her dish out the food, basically. One job. I went, <laughs> she went and took the plates to the other room. I took the tray that still had the oil sat in it for the roasties, put it on the side, it slid off and fell on the floor and the oil went everywhere. I was like, welcome everyone. Hey, what uh, Christmas quiz coming like? I've still got the Christmas, we can do the Christmas quiz in the office this week, by the way. Oh, not the biggest oil-related disaster from a dadly boy this festive season. Look at my hand. Oh, I noticed that. I don't know if you want to mention it. I've got three scars, flipped a pancake, and schoolboy error, too much oil in the pan to begin with for a pancake, and just three bolts of fat just jumped up all at once. The pus-filled bags (laughs) that were on my hand all on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Oh, no. Basically, the whole idea was, well, I can't put a plaster on them. They have to kind of, like, dry out and breathe. But... If you're drinking on Christmas and all the rest, basically, like I'm putting a t- like a jumper on, I kept popping. Oh, I'm a scarred boy. It with tinsel and stuff. My oh, God, look at that! They're gonna be scars for life. These now. What were we talking about? Uh, Copeland, some nice cheating. Oh yeah. <laughs> we go backstage. The best cheating he's done since 2005. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, Rick Flair's there. He's uh, hyping up Sting and Darby Allen because, of course, the match next week, as we mentioned earlier on, in Jacksonville. Um, and Sting says, I'm not coasting my way through my final weeks of active competition. The only thing that's sure about Sting is at Daly's Place, it's going to be showtime. <sighs> Daly's Place, dynamite, man. Yeah. I'm buzzing. Homecoming. Uh, Sky, but I'm just double check one thing, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah just the one with uh, match yeah. on this show. Hey, they got the first hour last week on Dynamite. Maybe a change coming. Yeah, probably better be with Mercedes. Anyway, uh, Sky Blue versus uh, Kara Hogan. Um, Blue nails her in the back of the head uh, and then hits a running boot to take us to a break. Whilst well, they talk about how much bloody Sky Blue's changing, she got missed today. Uh, <laughs> Blue's beating Magic up properties. Kier Hogan as we come back from the break. Goes to the middle rope, jumps into a Hogan super kick. She makes a comeback. It's a nice neck breaker for a near fall. Uh, Hogan goes with the 10 punches in the corner, but Blue hits the, well, I always call it the cheeky Nando super kick there. Uh, they trade super kicks. Blue hits a TKO, transitions into a dragon sleeper, and gets the submission victory. <sighs> Obligatory with single women's match with no build. Or, I think I'd, I'm fairly certain. Or heat. Yeah, I'm fairly certain drama. this was not announced by the time we talked about Collision on Friday. I think we spec it, we, it wasn't because we speculated as to what what they were doing going forward um, with like Mariah May and things like that instead. I think. 
Yeah, I mean, it was just there, realistically. Mm. There's no heat to it. There's no stakes. Um, should they be praised for continually featuring Sky Blue on TV, where previously this sort of character would just hop in and out of the narrative? No. Okay. Um, but we're in the women's zone now, of course. So they can cram it all zone. in. <laughs> cram it all in. We got the video package with Serena Deeb in the straight jacket again. So it's the same one. Was it the same one as? I think it was the same one as. Mm. She's she's very good at technical wrestling, and I'm excited to see her back. Yeah, it's a bit lame, but it's fine. Means mm. to an end. I always think whenever I see magicians do the straight jacket thing. It's always a little bit awkward for the first 10 seconds, even if they're the best. Yeah. Because they're just having a bit of a wriggle. Or pretending to wriggle. Yeah. Watch that Dynamo special over Christmas. That's really good. I love Dynamo. I didn't watch the special. Though. What was it, Buried Alive? Yeah. It's one of my biggest fears. I'm not do you know, doing that. Do you know where he was buried alive? The coffin. Uh, in a, well, actually, I haven't got to that bit yet. But do you know where in the country, I mean? Gated. Angel of the North. Ah! Because me and Anne Louise went past it a few months ago. So that's... Dynamo? And, uh, well, this is the thing. There was all there was an area all, like, security. What's going on? They they film it. They were doing some filming there. They couldn't tell us. That's how the magic works. Tell you what. Dynamo, Magician Impossible. Oh, what a oh, show. Yeah. To the speakers on. Hang on. What an absolute vibe of a show that was. Like, the, the phone and the bottle. Yeah. How do you do that? Did some great stuff with... He's like meeting up with. He's talking about the lots bottles of, smaller than the phone. <laughs> he's doing some stuff for like talking about personal issues and stuff like that. He did some he's like Demi Lovato. He met up with. It was really really interesting. Cara Delevingne, people like that. He did some great. He made butterflies come out of a book. How do you do that? What? My apart from his wonderful magic, my key takeaway. It was a Professor Green type rapper. Mm. Maybe I don't think it was I might, this, Green. this is kind of my area. So be careful here. I, I think I might know this one. Because uh, he was doing this magic in front of this rapper, right? Pro- Professor Green type. Mm. And he's like, Dynamo impresses him with a trick. Mm-hmm. And then this rapper goes, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm fully baffed. <laughs> I'm, f- I'm f- fully baffed. Like, surely it's just as easy to say baffled. Yeah. You are literally dropping one consonant there. Yeah. I'm baffed, fully baffed. Speaking of rappers, by the way, he does a bit in the new one. I say with, baffled. With, anyway. uh, you know Bugsy Malone, the rapper? He's in... Um, Is that one of the little rascals? <laughs> no, no, no. He's it's spelt with a Z. Um, <laughs> he's in... Um, Is it The Gentleman? Have you seen The Gentleman, by the way? The Gentleman. Uh, oh, my God. Need to watch The Gentleman. It's Guy Ritchie. It's awesome. Uh, anyway, the, the Bugsy Malone one, he goes like, um, uh, Bugsy, can you pick one of these like five bits of string? He picks one, uh, and he ties a razor blade to it, like a proper out-of-the-package razor blade, and uh, he holds it in his hand with all the strings coming off it, and he goes, like, right, um, tie one of the strings to the back of this motorbike, and the motorbike just drives off. And he, like, does it again, does it again. It's down to the last two, and he goes, okay, stop it now. (laughs) Puts the razor blade in his mouth. I was like, it's going to take your face off. (laughs) It's amazing. It's worth watching. I need to finish watching it actually because I don't know if he escaped. Does he do other tricks as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, it's like it's one of those. It's like the. What was the, it on? I think it was on Sky. Ah, I don't have Sky. I got it on uh, the uh, now because I. Uh, I don't have that. I, I forgot to cancel every other streaming service. I bought I bought a subscription to something so we could watch a Christmas film once, like a free. Oh, you get seven days. Forgot. Oh, I've got about th- got 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 three, three of them on the go. <laughs> Quite, that's uh, MGM Studio subscription. <laughs> <laughs> to watch kickboxing. I'm yeah. still paying for it. <laughs> Uh, right, next up it was Claudio Castagnoli versus a giant. Yes. In, in his own mind, Andrew Everett. Because I, I forgot, I think I've seen Andrew Everett before. He's done AEW. a shot with AEW before. Yeah, but I forgot. And so they were bigging him up. They're like, he's going to be against his 7-4. And I was like, oh, I've, got, I've completely forgotten <laughs> this guy. And then he came out and I was like, very good. Uh, it's a bit. Um, but before that, more importantly, and again, not to step, step on our own dick for Wednesday, Claudio wants to face Hangman Adam Page. Blow my beans. Yeah. Uh, he uh, Claudio, despite the uh, seven footer across the ring for him, completely dominated him. Hit a choke slam, uh, charging up against the barricade. Appropriately gets him in the giant swing. Uh, Everett did come back with some kicks and a Pele kick, uh, but Castagnoli just moved out of the way when he went for a shooting star. And Castagnoli hit the uh, neutralizer and a short arm lariat for the one, two, three. 
Very good. Good, simple stuff to set up, obviously. A win to be like, oh, I need to fight on Wednesday, by the way. It's still, I mean, I, I'll take Claudio doing a short squash because he's better than most at it. And I'd like a squash on a show. Variety. Mm. This company does not have four ideas worth, four hours worth of ideas every week. No. I just don't. Um, then we get an interview with uh, Ricky Starks and Big Bill when Lexi Nair Starks talked up as his return to Daly's place uh, to face Sammy Guevara, of course, where he debuted. Said I lost a title, a title match on that night against Cody Rhodes, but this time I'll be returning as a champion. Um, and Big Bill made their title defense against Guevara and Chris Jericho official for Battle of the Belts next Saturday and a street fight, nonetheless. Yeah. Some cynics have pointed out that Jericho is putting himself on a deep into a taping where maybe there'll not be much appetite to boo him. Mm, maybe that's he's a good not point. In a position to be booed on a high-profile TV show. Would he work Battle of the Belts if this hadn't happened? Mm. No. It's pure speculation on our part, but... Will it? I'll watch Battle of the Belts in its entirety if I find out before I watch it that there was a title change. I will watch it in its entirety. No offence, I'll probably put Serpentico versus Lethal <laughs> on it. Yeah. But we might we might keep Chaos an eye Project on... Project explodes. We might keep an eye on the street Even fight. A belt. <laughs> no one's going to notice. <laughs> okay. We might keep an eye on it for the Jericho reaction on the Collision Review next week. Yeah. And if we've got ties to three hours, we'll have a look. A lot of time. There's a lot of time. Yeah. Um, and then it was time for the main event early in this show. Not too early, thank God. Yeah, they they and with what happened, it, it was well-timed, this, because there's a bit of me that went, well, still half an hour left, boys. Yeah. Uh-oh, we know what's coming here. But it was the uh, House of Blegg uh, versus FTR, of course, with the stipulation that if FTR lost... They'd have to join the House of Black. No word as to what the stipulation, if FDR won, was, as we speculated. What FDR gain out of this? Um, they gain an improved legacy. Got it. That makes a lot of sense, considering 50% of FDR's team. Uh, early on, Cash Wheeler is uh, out-wrestling Buddy Matthews. And we, oh, my God. Uh, there's a lot to get through here, so I'm going to dis- just mention stuff without giving it the proper attention, because it was just really, really good, this. FTR double Russian leg sweep because of the thing. Um, Harwood versus Black. Um, Black, to avoid a right hand, sits down cross-legged. Oh, my God. And Harwood sits down with him and flips him off. And then Black went, okay, fair enough. I'm going to get your family, Dax. And uh, he gets... Got your kids. (laughs) Got chased off. And uh, Wheeler came in. Ended up getting his leg swept by uh, Malachi Black on the apron, and uh, Matthews dropped him on the apron, and Black hit a moonsault to the floor. Um, he got completely beaten up in uh, House of Black's corner. Finally fought him off, attempted to make a, sta- a tag, but Buddy Matthews just booted Harwood off the apron to keep Wheeler isolated as we went to a break. When we come back, Harwood finally gets the hot tag, comes in, runs wild. Brain buster on Malachi Black for a near fall. He's fine two-on-one for a large part here. Um, and that means Buddy Matthews finally catches him with a kick and a uh, Black back elbow gets a near fall. Harwood cut, cuts Black off on the top rope, though, and they hit the FTR powerplex that gets brilliantly broken up by Matthews hitting a Meteora onto the pile. Yeah. They can they can go awry, those sorts of yeah. spots. Um Wheeler got sent over the announce table, so um, Malachi Black grabbed a chair and again went, I'm going to get your kids, <laughs> Dax. But Dax cut him off with a punch, set him out of the ring. Um, Wheeler slipped back in, and they hit Matthews with a shatter machine out of nowhere that is just broken up again, this time by Malachi Black. That was such a good spot. FTR hit Black with a spike pile driver on the apron. Here comes Brody King down the ramp, but Daniel Garcia is in hot pursuit and nails him with a chair. He cheers on FTR. Harwood in all this, though, has got caught with a stomp from Buddy Matthews for a great two count. Matthews hit a powerbomb, but Harwood reversed the cover into a pin. One, two, three, FTR win. They do not have to join the House of Black. And then post-match, House of Black jump all three of them. Uh, Matthews stomped Wheeler's head onto the chair. Black hit the fade to Black on Harwood with the chair in his face. And uh, Brody King hit Garcia with the chair, then hit him with the Gonzo bomb. And Julia Hart gave them a 10 bell to salute to sign off this show. I thought this was fantastic. Um, can you remember, right, when we were... 
You want to say we're not emotionally invested in AEW anymore? We, of course, we are. But when this company was at its absolute hottest, and you just the only thing that you were really worried about was could it be as great as you imagined in your daft little head? Yeah. And we would look at the clock on certain dynamites. Yeah. And think there's not enough time for this to be great, right? I had the eggs and like we're uh, Escalera de la Muerte. I remember, yeah. was the key example where Jake Hager's on telly at like one hour 40 in the five feet. I'm like, <laughs> oh, sake. So the main event's going 15 minutes then. Um, I had the exact opposite thing with FTR where I was looking at this dynamite run frame and I'm thinking, don't give him 40. There's no need. It's the first match in a presumed series. It, 20 minutes is probably still a push yeah. for where this is probably going. Don't indulge Dax Harwood because he's one of the best wrestlers ever who's also the most self-conscious. He's his own worst enemy. He's phenomenal. FTR are phenomenal, but they sometimes get in their own way with a desperation for star ratings. Mm-hmm. People sometimes don't like hearing about that. Some people think I'm being too generous and think the guy's disappeared up his own arse completely over the past two years. I'm somewhere in the middle. But I saw the runtime and I was thinking, you're cutting it close for how long this needs to be realistically. Yeah. So I always get that worry that they're going to indulge themselves too much. I didn't get it here. I thought this was tremendous. Um, Cash Wheeler and Buddy Matthews working together was like, you know the cartoons when it's like the whirlwind brawling? Yeah, It was like that, but wrestling. <laughs> it was just so fast and frenetic and tight and like snug applications mm. of the headlock takeovers. It was just wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. I goddamn love Cash Wheeler so much. Yeah, Malachi Black. I, every time I watch him, I get depressed. <laughs> He's so good, I get depressed. Yeah. He's so good that I don't enjoy it because I'm thinking he should be wrestling every single week. Yes. Maybe he shouldn't because if he wrestles every single week, maybe he should be like a proper main event talent. I don't think his promos or his creativity warrant that much attention, frankly. They did reference on commentary a bit where he went, symbolic. Symbolic. and uh, like family. He, he's the one who gets in his own way. If he could just... Realize what he's actually great at. Yeah, kick people's heads off. He's amazing. Everything he does looks amazing. Like the bit where the whole idea is like he's so lame at times when he's trying to put himself over as a spooky supernatural presence. And again, when he conveys this through his actual wrestling, he's amazing at it. He's ducking everything and evading and dodging everything that Dax Howard threw to him and then just sat down. Yeah. It's like you can't get him. He's this like. It's like a final boss who warps from place to place and he can't get him because he can convey being this sort of otherworldly presence through his wrestling. Magnificent. The whole the action was great, the drama was great. I don't think they went too far as FTR can sometimes do. And they sometimes do this thing where they get one perfect near fall and then they do two more that aren't as good and then go to the finish. So my key complaints with FTR, and again, it's this this desperate my legacy, I need to have the best matches. Like is there a wrestler alive? On X, like Dax Harwood, who continues to go, I think this is my best match. These are the top five FTR matches. Oh, oh it's got to be a top five FTR match. It's like, you're a mark for yourself. <laughs> yeah. You're, oh, and it's like so off-putting because, because I know that's what your attitude is. When you're wrestling, I know how desperate you are. Yeah, you're reticent to hit. Oh, my God. Because I know how much he wants it. And then when he does two, three near-fall sequences too far, it's like, I know what you're doing this for. Yeah. It's not because you want to do a hard-fought struggle. It's because you want that extra asterisk that you can, that you claim to not care about. None of that here. No. The, the near-fall spot, you thought, right, Malachi Black has messed with his family once too often. Now it's time for the reckoning. Now you've got to put him away for what he's done. That's when you do the near fall. Yes. Because you think, oh, Christ, he can't even do him after he's gone that to his family. That's a shock. That's good. It's the peak of the match. And then do it. And they did that here. Uh, I can see that being strategized in a weird, dimly lit room for the House of Black. When I go for his family, he's going to eventually snap and go for me. And then that's and when even who he... gets me, he's going to have to slide back in the ring and he's in the perfect position for the stomp. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and again, what's going to happen now is they're going to do this run this back and it's going to do 40 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and and about six and a half stars. Yeah. And then he'll still complain. <laughs> I don't know much about star I don't know about Asterix's. I don't know much about snowflakes. 
The funniest one would be if they did the Mike Bailey, and nothing against Mike Bailey. Do you remember the Mike Bailey one where he was like, Mike, Mike Bailey's out of nowhere for some match that people were talking PWG about. PWG got five for yeah. the quarter. It was like, oh, cheers. <laughs> and then they were like, actually, I accidentally pressed the asterisk button too many times. It's four a quarter. That's what I want. Eight stars. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my asterisk button got stuck, stuck down yeah. on my keyboard. Four. Should uh, do that as a rib. Should absolutely that be- do that as a rib. If you're in the AW locker room, I never know what time it is in America when the observer comes out. Just mock up a thing. Dave, you seen uh, Dax, you seen this? I'd say he's like got two stars or something. Say this match got two stars. Yeah. That'd be, oh. He'd be absolutely baffed by that, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> right, anyway, let us know your thoughts. Fully baffed. <laughs> On AW Collision. On X at What Culture WWE. Watch, they can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, the SmackDown review and the Raw preview are available right now. And of course, we'll be back later on this week to look ahead to AEW Dynamite. But for now, this has been the AEW Collision Review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.